0: This week's episode, we will be joined by Mary Campbell, who is an amazing fiddle player, viola player, singer, and all-round amazing person. I'm not entirely sure when Mary came into my life, but in more recent times, myself and Mary have been spending time together on the Isle of Lismore, where I live, coming up with all sorts of creative plans, and it was lovely to get into the studio with her and Joseph and put the world to right.
1: I think this episode is a bit different from previous ones, where in the past we focused more on making a track with our guest and kind of all the conversation has kind of led up to that. With Mary, we really just talked and improvised quite a lot. Mary's work is brilliant at pushing at the boundaries of whatever box it may find itself in. And I think throughout this episode, you can really hear her encouraging us to think in that way as well. So... Here we go with this episode. Please enjoy.
2: Previous lives, Charlie. Previous <laughs> lives. Let's just hit Inche the nail on the head. We're yeah. all back again. <laughs> <laughs> Round two. Let's see what happens this time. Yeah. I don't know. But it me, is me strange. Joe isn't also
0: I? talked about that, and it's it's funny because I both have family from where Joe grew up in Achill but also I have family going back to Lismore, where you also have family going back. Yeah. So you do kind of wonder, is there? I know. Is there something good on there? I,
2: I can't help but wonder sometimes. And oh. with all the kind of... Yeah, there's definitely strong links on Lismore. Where the, I'm Livingston, is the name, the closest family name for, to me on Lismore, and then the Campbell name comes from Connell, North Connell, where my granddad was Duncan Campbell, and his... Um, well, he was one of ten kids, and his father was Hugh Campbell, and they were from the North Shores at Chatton, and they were Crofters and stonemasons on the whole.
0: And And was your great uncle that was a priest, was
2: it? My grandfather was Reverend Duncan Campbell, and he was a minute, he was, yeah, he went, he was a sort of um, minute missionary really with the Free Church and went out and about. He was really involved in the Lewis revivals. He went up there in 1951 or 52. And that formed a huge part of his life. And we made a show about him, actually, Dave and I, about his life. And that was really good. It's called Revival. And it focused on that particular time and my grandfather and um, his life and a man of his time. And was, I wanted to make some shows that kind of articulated my
0: lineage. The whole Western Isles thing really fascinates me because I also my granny was from up that way and uh, the Galaxians Sands yeah. that music for me is is just incredible I,
1: I don't know if you feel this as well Joe. like it's just, quite powerful I don't know there's something really quite affecting yeah. about it you know hearing it especially yeah. live I think that's quite a, it's quite a thing yeah. I don't exactly know how to describe that
2: I think it's an opening that we've allowed you allow yourself in prayer if you allow yourself to pray or go into some kind of channeling place mm-hmm. where you willing, allow yourself to open to whatever that is, that sense of the mystery or God or whatever. I mean, I, that's what I imagine, and that's why I think it's so mysterious is because there's genuine, everyone's in their own prayerful moment individually, but they're also being carried by a form. So there's that sort of mixture of form and freedom. and I And I think we have lost a lot of that. That relationship, actually, that the musicians or the music, the the sound makers of our culture, are not always allowing themselves to just drop into some of those places. And that's what I feel. I think, or at least that's what I feel, and my voice has been trying to do, without necessarily having a religion, which makes it a little bit weirder. Yeah, totally. But at the same time, you think, but it has to be done. So, what are we going to call it? What can it be? Is it an old tradition? What's this thing yeah. Well, you have to fully open at some level? I do think it, came, it was in our culture. Mm-hmm. I do. Uh,
0: yeah, going back <laughs> to, to Liz Moore as well, Like, I find as an island, that's, that's a very spiritual place and traditionally it's a very spiritual place. And there were a few times I've gone into play in the church there. And I'm not a particularly religious person um, but like, I have also felt you know, quite connected when I go to the church there and play and that sort of Playing of improvisation or going through sort of galaxams and things, it can be a really powerful thing to do. Actually, it's nice.
2: Why don't we begin with one now, within this moment, to yeah. give ourselves a blessing for the moment and for the day in well, sand and sound, <laughs> and make it just have a start and let go of wherever it wants to go, and then we'll find an ending.
1: Sounds great.
0: I'm a very big fan of your singing.
2: Thank you. I like yours too.
0: Thank you. Maybe I should do it more.
2: Yes, as much as you can.
0: It's a funny thing with singing. I find people are always telling me to, to sing more, but I've, I've never felt like I want to force it, if that makes any sense.
2: Totally makes lots of sense. That's, I, I understand that feeling. I think sometimes you have to protect your creativity from, from exposure. I don't think it is right to bring it out at times because if it's over, if you overexpose or if you, it's delicate, and then you get some judgments that you can't quite deflect. Yeah, you will shut down. It's dangerous to be too open at some levels. With, art. I mean, I've experienced a lot of that. I don't know why some people somehow are pretty gung ho about it, and others are quite reticent, and every little moment is a huge deal about how much they expose. You know. Mm-hmm. Um. I, I know my voice. I was like, I don't want any lessons on my voice. I don't want anybody to teach me anything. I don't want to be singing yet. But then when I left music college in Guildhall, while doing classical music, I, I did want to sing after that. Folk music.
0: What drove you to do it, do you think?
2: All, my, all my life, I loved folk music, but um, I just never got a chance to learn it. And then after music college, I sort of just dropped. This was in a whole different place, and suddenly I needed this other space around to learn folk. And that's when I met Dave, and then we had a duo, duo and I could start learning these songs, and Auld Lang and stuff like that.
0: It must have been quite exciting to sort of... Because you would have had it around when you were little, did you? Well,
2: a little bit, not a huge amount. I mean, Mum and Dad were much more classical-oriented, yeah. even though we'd come to Lismore, and those dances on Lismore were what I totally loved. Where the playing for the dancers and playing dance music, which is actually a massive theme for my in my life, but uh, once I got home, it, it was sort of put in the put in the cupboard a bit. And yeah. Got on with grade five Get on
0: with its <laughs> theories. <to> it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's it's something I struggle with in regards to playing music and creativity. It feels you know it's very it's quite a deep part of yourself to like go and just be quite vulnerable
1: mm-hmm. and yeah. to just.
0: I don't know, express that it can sometimes feel like you're damaging your creative self a little bit, but I don't know how either of you feel about that.
1: It's hard to try and be consistent in that way, I think, or, you know, to need to be consistent. Because I, I think we do run into that at times, like, you know, if when, if and when we're playing shows and things, like sometimes it'll be like the route from like getting out of the car at the venue to being on the stage a few hours later. It's like, oh, great, looking forward to that kind of and you know that all passes by very naturally yeah. and there's other times where that is well, like the biggest mountain to <laughs> because mm. you know it's not what you'd naturally want to necessarily do in that in that moment um I don't know I think for for me that kind of thing it comes it does come back to classical in some ways actually because I came to classical kind of much later I think my background was very much in folk all the way up until I was at uni and then I kind of got into playing the piano a lot more and eventually studying that kind of primarily and found that, that kind of whole world of music to be a thing which it's kind of construction as much as, um, so you know, trying to build something. It's much more as,
0: systematic and it's... Yeah, yeah forensic so. attention and to...
1: Yeah, physics. and it's, I think it's nice to have that because in those, in those moments when it, you know, I think creativity does kind of ebb and flow a bit, doesn't it? And when it, when it has ebbed yeah it's it's I love being able to have yeah. this other thing to kind of yeah go to and still be in it and in music and in amazing music but yeah to just be connected with it in a different way and in some ways in a less personal way I think that can kind of help
2: that's Which a really is... good point yeah I think that's true it's just this is useful and it is quite like I notice when I get and I get into my little ebb, Mm -hmm. I'll go to like Bach or something. and It feels a bit like a kind of rock that I I know this stuff and I can go there and it takes me on all these journeys. The other place I like to go is free improvisation. Mm -hmm. And I've had training and mentors in that continuously since I was about, you know... At music college, actually, and that was one of the aspects of college that was brilliant for me. It was that sort of total invitation to really, really think out the box. I mean, improvisatory, but as well, we were playing music, very contemporary music, which was pretty nuts, you Mm -hmm. know. Um, So my ears. Was getting used to these sorts of intervals, <sings> nothing to hang on to, and I suppose my ear was getting used to it, and I kind of saw it as a as a valid, you know, exper- expression of sound and music. But I didn't understand it particularly well. But I had to play it, and um, and people would say, "Oh, I love that!" You know, people are really into it. You know, it has its listeners. And, but what I loved doing was improvising. So when I got into improvising, suppose those memories of tonalities started to kind of creep into... You know, I would go to lots of places because I'd been invited into all these other spaces and that, I think, gave me also another breadth of as player. One of the guys that I worked with was a fellow called Beno Plasman, who had an... A, a, in the early, very early 2000s, Um, called Starting Point Zero and we were four players actually we based in Glasgow and we used to go over and he would direct us into our improvisation Mm -hmm. and I was thinking about this as I came across I was just remembering his work with us and I just thought it was fantastic because it was such a simple way to kind of play with those edges and his invitation was everything you play has to be either with somebody else or against somebody else Wow Right, that was it and we would start and we would go on for 40 minutes generally, just sort of meandering around doing all sorts of stuff. Totally over, as far as an audience is concerned, nightmare. Yeah. But we were just like trying it out for ourselves. But anyway, that was the invitation. And I thought that might be an invitation to bring to today.
0: Absolutely.
2: Um, to do an yeah. improvisation where I know it's really easy to, do, to get lost in the flow and then you just go and, and stopping is the hardest thing to do an improv. But that feeling of just holding yourself in that memory of like, I'm with somebody or I'm going to go against somebody and having silences when you want them.
0: I think that's something I personally really struggle with and particularly when we play together, Joseph, is we're always playing with each other. And it's one of the amazing things I find about playing with you is it's like it's quite effortless to play with you, you know? It's like we can always glue together in that way. Well, not always, but you know what I mean? Like most of the time it's pretty seamless. Mm-hmm. And I think it's something I'm quite guilty of is, is not stepping out of that comfort zone. It's really
2: tricky, it's really uncomfortable. Against, yeah. It is. Because the oral senses are so deep rooted, they really hold us in places that are safe. Our emotional body is often in the harmonic world, I think. Mm. And so quite often you just stay in one place if that's where you need to stay. Emotion you know, but once you feel you want to stretch, you can do that. Um, musically as well. I think there's something in that anyway. Do I try it? Yeah. Yeah, just see where it takes you.
1: Good Yay, that's interesting.
2: Tell what did you find?
1: It's hard to play against someone, I think. And I was particularly finding it hard to play against you, Mary, I think, because there was the first the thing that was coming up for me was like, oh my god, it feels quite rude to play against <laughs> someone. And you're someone I don't know very well. So it's like, oh this feels really how rude of me. <laughs>
2: I Quit. think
1: that's quite good, you know, that's, yeah. that's good, though. Good to be rude. It's good to be rude. I know, well...
2: But that's interesting to actually feel it, though, in your body, and yeah. to know that's why you don't go there, because it doesn't so And yeah,
1: that was That was a surprise to me, <laughs> thinking that. Was.
0: Yeah. I find it's amazing how your, your, your tune's in, you know, like, trying to switch off that internal tuner. a <laughs> thing of wanting everything to be perfect and then in tune, it's like...
2: Yeah, I mean maybe you've got a sort of really deep sensibility to sound and harmonization and the power of uh, frequency, actually. Mm. And again, it's an area that we don't talk about. It's not something, but it's essential to sound makers. It's our trade. I think of musicians as sound makers, and so I think you do have a really powerful kind of resonance. Like you were saying, you want to find a note that feels real, that's true. There's that sort of authenticity of who's what's Charlie's note. Um, if there, such a thing exists, but you know, in the ancient Indian world of music, this does exist. It is yeah. about finding the note and being really kind of mindful and meditative and mantra-like, and and that's essentially you know upholding something really deep in 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 the function of sound. I think, but I also think that because we've not really got the languages or the cultural you know areas to talk about that. Quite the same. It's maybe feels a bit weird, but I can understand why you would find actually not going out, you no, know, going out and going against something to just like, well, where? What's the point? Almost, yes.
0: you know. Oh, it just feels so unnatural to me. Just...
2: Also, I think when you come out of the harmonic zones and then you go into textural stuff, and that's interesting. So you can look at it like texturally what's happening in this moment. You could also pick up on like the emotional information that we're maybe getting in any moment so it might be if there's fear for instance playing into that fear or uncertainty uh, or happiness and joy so maybe we could do it this one more time and then play with some other areas within us to just hook into you the sweet tune
0: yeah
2: it's an amazing thing honestly it's like you think it's nothing and then it's just like it's huge massive thing so what's so
0: what's this it's
2: tune it's, called? it's called da Pacem domine so in a way we're kind of i guess it's a it's an old medieval around 15th century wow. i know
0: yeah. <clears throat> with a drone on that yeah, yeah. to hear the minor with the major harmony you
2: know <laughs> yeah it's
0: quite amazing to see
2: that actually quite stuff. nice the, the um, whole tone is quite unsettling though isn't it I mean or it's, or it's just totally sort of airy it's yeah. the one that you, you hear on the movies when they, when you're going oh, I don't know what's going to happen <laughs> yeah, yeah. it really hits that point very strongly um, that note
0: and it was something yeah we talked about the three of us just before we we all came down to the studio was this thing of you know what are we actually going to discuss on this episode? And um, I think the thing we decided on was, you know, that note and whatever that note was, and whatever that note is in that scale, it is the note, isn't what, it?
2: What note in that scale? Ah, yeah,
0: okay. So that's, that is, is that an A flat? That's
2: an A flat. That's the same stone. That's my pendulum note. Okay. As it happens,
0: no idea whether that's because the is it a B flat the next one no. isn't no, quite as no. uns- like it is in its own way, but it's the no. the A flat is really the one that sticks out for me no. from the start of
1: it. That's that augmented fourth. That's the note that would get you jailed, Charlie. Oh, in a time.
3: you're in
2: trouble. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> so we continued down a bit of a rabbit hole about notes that might get you jailed in the 1500s for some time there. Um, but rather than subject you to that, we'll just skip forward in time a little bit to some more coherent conversation, perhaps, about the electrification of folk music.
2: I oh, this fantastic um, uh, documentary on Elvis Presley, the see- Elvis Presley, the, the seeker. Oh, cool. The Searcher, I something like that. And it's a brilliant documentary about his life as a musician. Is, is, is always looking for, you know, the ideas and the new things. And I just never appreciated his music, the way this really pulls it out. I think it's mm-hmm. fantastic. Oh, it was something else I was watching about uh, Bob Dylan. Oh, I know what it was. It was, it was, it was the band. It was, a, it was about the band yeah. who went on tour with Bob Dylan in 1968 because mm-hmm. he heard them, they were in the re- same recording studio and Bob Dylan was like, you guys are great and will you come on be with me for the band? So they did this big tour with Bob Dylan but it was before that he'd been an acoustic singer-songwriter and, they, and and he had a big crowd but the first half he did his acoustic stuff and the second half he brought the band on and every night for the whole tour they were booed from beginning to end by the audience like they hated them, they hated the whole thing and they had this all this footage of those guys dealing with the audience not liking what they were doing and telling them. But it gave them all this strength And the end. I mean, the guys in the band couldn't believe that Bob Dylan's like, they couldn't understand this folk scene. Because they were just guys who played electric guitars, and as far as they were concerned, that was just normal. I mean, Look, what's the problem with an electric guitar? And suddenly they went into these environments where it was like this, so long as it's not this and it hasn't been that and it shouldn't be that and blah blah blah. And the band were all being interviewed about it and they were just going, Man, what? What's their problem? Like this is just an electric guitar, oh my god, this guy's getting booed off the stage and they and they were just shocked by by it. And I just thought that was really interesting. I, in a perspective that they yeah, gave I know, it? it was it was and it, it is a bit like that as well it is a bit like nah, you know the, the, the confinements of the folk scene are irritating yeah at, at a certain point and it doesn't take that long before either you really like things the way you like them and you're not going to change and if this is for you you can end up being a pillar of that community mm-hmm. because you're just afraid of change or it can be you know yeah, Open to it's always throwing itself in that on these extremes. But
0: anyway, myself and Joe have talked to me a bit about you know our music and
1: yeah, we can feel a bit confined about it sometimes like I think cause how I think how we play together has probably definitely developed and changed quite a lot. I wonder what's going to happen there because I think it is going to continue to change and like and I wonder if at a certain point that is going to run up against a a wall of like the folk scene and what we'll do when that potentially happens. Yeah, do we happens. break through it? Do we try and go to somewhere else? Yeah, exactly. Um, or, or what?
0: Do you, How do you find that yourself, Mary, listening back to yourself, like assuming you've got recorded music from...
2: Yeah. Well, the more recent stuff is definitely pretty edgy. I mean, and the Storm album's got a lot of kind of sounding and really weird uh, vocal play on it. And I've been quite excited because it's come out on Holy Smokes Records with Chris Blackmore, who's not really a folk label. So he's come into it as a sort of indie, indie music and whatever, and I'm part of that knee. And it's been really nice to notice that a lot of people, not folkies, but a lot of others seem to be going, whoa, what's this, you know, who's that? And da-da-da, never seen her before, et cetera. So that's been really nice. So I do think through that I've come to a new audience. Um. I have had a few people say, I really don't like what you're doing and I think you should stop doing it. Um, but it's kind of made me feel a bit more, like I've stood up for myself and said, look, I'm doing it because there's not really nothing else I can do. I'm just playing true to my artistic self. And yeah. I think you need to respect that. And if you don't like it, that's fine. But I'm walking my walk and there we have it. A bit like that, A bit like that thing of pushing something on somebody when they're not ready for it. And going, well, you're just going to have to... So I, I I've I always been in danger of of losing listeners because I have moved quite a lot. But I think there is, there are new ones. And and also, I, but the thing is, the folk scene is very precious. It's got its gifts, too, of holding of course, something. Yeah. So I really I have to balance and respect it. And Dave, for instance, Dave's very folky-oriented... So whenever I come up with this sort of line of, oh, I feel so in- caught in it, it's like, or I get annoyed with the f- sameness of the folk scene or something. He's just a bit, he's a lot more into it um, and supportive about it all.
0: Shall we, shall we just try and create something? Yes. Uh, taking the three aspects of today yes. that we've looked at, so.
2: Yes, the tune and D, the the Darpachem Dominee and then the Fakish and and Alistair. And there's some free and profit stuff. Yeah. Lovely.
0: Part there where we have yeah. listening
2: to the tune, I found really nice actually. I'm amazed that this tune, these tunes actually go together. Yeah, because the what nine eight, it's a nine eight, so that's nine beats. Yeah, da da, and that's connecting to three four, so it's like we've hit the cycle exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's nuts. And so it so works such an interesting combination. The thing is, musically, even if it's out, if it's an outlier thing. Yeah, there is that thing of initiating something that's going against the grain and then going, who's with me?
3: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: And at some level, energetically, even though nothing is said, there is that pool all of a sudden. Do you go with the new idea and everything gets broken up? Or sometimes I feel that something that comes in, if there's two people playing in harmony and one comes in and goes, then that, it, it just, it's really interesting balance. It's quite dynamic. Yeah, I just think it's really
0: it keeps you on your toes. Uh, I'd just like to take the opportunity to say thank you and also, you are an amazing creative thinker, and I love working with you and you're an extremely open person and always looking for new ideas and I think that's amazing, basically. so thanks for coming in
2: Thank you, Charlie and yeah, yeah thanks thank so, you so much, much Joe.
0: great spending this time thanks, thanks for having really
2: nice. having me in
0: so that was lovely listening back to what we did with Mary there and It's always a joy to improvise with somebody as as amazing as her. And I'd just like to say a huge thank you to the Marcus Trust, Britain Peers Arts and Creative Scotland for funding this podcast. Um, Although this is free, if you like what you hear, you might consider subscribing to us on Bandcamp and you can find out more details on our website, which is cgjpmusic.com. So next time, we're going to be joined by the wonderful Annie Grace, who is an amazing piper, singer and actor. This will be our final episode of this series. So if you'd like to hear what we got up to with Annie, you can tune in in a few weeks' time. Thank you very much.